Now, we're, we're talking about prayer. And tonight as we talk about prayer, you've got to think about why do we have to pray? And God knows everything. He knows uh, what's in our minds and in our hearts. He knows what our desires are. He knows everything we're going to pray for before we ask it. And so there's, there's theories about that. There's theories. Is this, you know, you hear some people talk, it's strictly about relationship, about being in relationship with God. And, and you have others that'll talk, it's strictly about faith and being a people of faith and trusting God and asking God for things. And and so we can we could bat all of those around. I don't know if the scripture ever clearly says you've got to pray because this is what I want to have happen. But we see implications of all of that throughout the word. It tells us God wants to be in relationship with us. Uh, God wants us to have faith and ask him. And whether any of those things are the final reason why, it doesn't matter. God's told us to pray. And he's told us to ask. As you have not because you ask not. And so today we want to look at this just a little bit. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and open your Bibles to James chapter 5, uh, verse 16. James chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, Paul alluded to this passage just a moment ago. It says in verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And we do this around the altars every Sunday, almost every Sunday. We give you the chance if you have something going on that you need healing from to come down and have people pray with you to be healed. We do this in our small groups. Uh, we, send out a, a prayer, we send out a prayer list every uh, Monday of different prayer needs so that people can pray. We can pray for each other. If you're not on that group and you'd like to be, uh, Put your name and email address on one of the connection cards and give it to me afterwards. We'll get you on there. Then it says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. He, he, what's he saying here? He's saying, this is the way things change. This is how things work. There's power in our prayer, and our prayer is effective. Now, if he, if he told you today, you know, for if, you, if you want your child uh, to live for God and, and they're trapped in some sin and you want them to be set free, and for that to happen, you have to walk from the West Coast to the East Coast of the United States. There's a lot of us, if our child was trapped in sin, we'd go out and start walking, wouldn't we? He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? He said prayer is powerful and effective. The enemy doesn't want you to do it, but we need to do it. We're going to talk a little bit more and get a little more of a well-rounded thought about this in the next few moments. Lord, bless this time. Let us grow and learn in you. Let our faith grow in you. Father, right now, we just pray. Give us lost souls around our altars every Sunday. We pray that you'd heal people around our altars every Sunday. We pray you'd set people free from addictions every Sunday. We pray you'd heal relationships, Father, every Sunday and in our small groups and, uh, Father, in, in our, all of our services. Let relationships be healed and let us see each other wisely. And, Father, take all the 
attachments of the culture of our world off of us and let us walk by faith in you. Now anoint this word tonight so that we would grow and let us realize that, Father, when we pray, we do something powerful and effective. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when you look at this scripture, the, the, the thing that troubles, has always troubled me since I was young about this scripture is it says, the prayer of a righteous man. And, and I know me, and that makes me wonder if I'm disqualified sometimes. You know, it's, it's a righteous man. It's a person who does the right, lives righteously all the time. But here's, here's the deal. The righteous man in Scripture is the person who rests in the righteousness of Jesus. Now, that doesn't give us an excuse to go on and sin, but it gives us some freedom as we're sincerely doing our best before God to know that our prayers are powerful and effective because we're not coming before God on our righteousness. We're coming before God on Jesus' righteousness. This is one of the things the enemy will whisper in your ear. He'll, he'll whisper in your ear, your prayer isn't powerful and effective. You praying isn't powerful. That's what he'll say to you, and he'll give you all sorts of reasons why God should ignore you. And listen, if we're standing on our own merits, God should ignore all of us. But we're not coming before God on our merit. We're coming before God on Jesus' merit, on what Jesus has done which makes our, our prayers powerful and effective and gives us something that we can fervently, I love this, this one, one passage talks about fervent prayer and being a person of fervency. Now part of what helps us grow in prayer and, and come to God without the enemy being able to uh, discourage us in prayer comes down to how we see God. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit tonight is our, how we see God. In Psalm 31, 19, it says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind saying the goodness of God is stored up for those who fear him and, and, and that it's, it's, it's there and available. Now look at verse 20. In the cover of your presence you hide them. From the plots of men you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. He protects us and protects our heart from people saying things to hurt us. You ever had people say things that hurt you? Discourage you? attack you. He says, I'm going to protect you from that. God's goodness will protect you from that. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean he'll shut them up. It means that their, the power of their words won't be able to take effect. And anybody who plots against you, God's going to hide you in his presence. Your understanding of what God is really like shapes everything in your life, including your prayer time. Nothing influences your life more than how you view God. And, and, and get this, I want you to capture this. When it comes to God, it's not what you think of him that really matters. Because you're, 
we're really guessing. I, I hear people talk about God all the time and the things of God all the time. And I just kind of look at them and, and, and think, I'm listening to them on TV talking about God or, you know, something. I, I think, where in the world did they come up with that idea? They sure didn't get it from the Bible. The Bible is God's revelation to us of who he is. And it's extremely important that we don't play a guessing game about who God is or let the enemy define who God is, but that, it's, that, that you really know God, you know the real God, that you have a right concept of God. One great writer, A.W. Tozer, wrote this, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you because it affects everything else in your life. It affects how we approach God and how we see God. And the more we study and the more we realize the greatness of God. So think about, I want you to think about some of the characteristics of God with me tonight. First of all, we know he is all-knowing. Call that omniscience. He knows everything. We're going to read this passage in Isaiah a little bit later where it talks about how God doesn't think like us. He, he doesn't think to figure things out. We think trying to figure things out. We think, okay, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? How am I going to do this? We th he doesn't think to try to learn. He knows everything. So we're coming before God who knows the beginning from the end. And understanding this greatness of God when we come before him is an important part of us coming to him. Two, he is, not only is he all-knowing, he is all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Uh, he's all-power. He can do anything. Nothing's outside of his reach. He's not only omnipotent, he is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He was with me today when I was studying and working. He was with you today when you were working or doing whatever you were doing today. He's with people around the world. Getting a, just trying to get a grip of this God who knows every hair on my head, which is getting easier and easier all the time. Getting, understanding that God, that he knows that about us, begins to give us some insight into the greatness of what we're dealing with. And, and it's, it's kind of hard for us to get our, our heads around. So, but that's who we're coming to. We're coming to this all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at the same time God. The Bible tells us that he is holy. What that means is he is separate, he's pure. He, he doesn't think lustfully. He doesn't have evil uh, desires. He, he doesn't, you know, think cruelly. He, he's a loving, holy God, separate, separate. He doesn't deal with the temptations we, we deal with as fallen man. It's why we need the Holy Spirit in us to fight those things, to overcome those things, to lead us to feel the right way and to sense the right way. It's why we need to be led by the Spirit in our life and asking the Spirit to guide us and direct us because that when this holy God is a part of our life, we begin to think differently. We begin to see the world differently. You know, I, I, I'll tell you, I was 
I was, I don't know about you, I mean, our, our former governor, he did some things I didn't care for morally in, in some of his stands. Uh, today, our, our new governor, sometime last day or so, was up in Chicago proclaiming he wants our state to be one of the most liberal states for abortion in the nation, if not the most liberal. And I just find myself going, God help us. God help us. But this comes down to whether we invite the holiness of God into our life and let him speak to us or not. He's a just God. (laughs) Now there's two sides of this justice thing. Think about this. This means that God is going to protect us, protect our heart, deliver us either here or in heaven from the unjust things that have happened to our life. That's good news, isn't it? He's also going to deal with you for the unjust things you've done to other people in your life. So we need the forgiveness of God, and we need to learn how to walk and be holy before him. He's a, God is a kind God. He, he's, he's not cruel. He's kind. God is a loving God. It means he wants the best for us. Think about this. This all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere-present God wants the best for you. He wants good things for you. And not only does he want that, but God is faithful to those who follow him. It is the goodness of God that gives us peace and hope in our prayer times. That God is good. That this is who we're coming to. If God's not good, we have zero reason to pray. We have zero motivation to pray because it is just a guessing game if God's not good. But because we know his character, that he's good, and we know these characteristics about God, and we know that he loves us, and then we come before him with this boldness that Christ told us to come before him with confidence that he's going to minister to our need. And and listen, in all of these things, the enemy's going to try to tell you that they're not true. He's going to try to tell you he doesn't love you. He's going to try to tell you that he's not going to be kind to you. He's going to try to tell you that you've fallen so bad that he can't forgive you. He's going to tell you he's not big enough to take care of your need. He's going to tell you that he can't change your circumstances. He's going to tell you all that stuff. But we've got to, we've got to understand who God is so that we can fight off all that other impression. Listen, the only reason there's anything good in this world is because God is good. So that's him. God is the creator, and his goodness is all through the universe. People, one of the things we struggle with, one of the big questions that people struggle with, with is evil in the world. And, and it's real simple. Evil is a simple thing if you, if, you, if you think about it. God doesn't force us to do good. He doesn't force you to do the right thing. You and I, we've all done wrong things, haven't we? God didn't force us to not do the right thing. God gave us free will. And as we think about it, all the evil in the world today is because we had, mankind had free choice, and we chose not to do good a lot of the time. 
We made choices. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's desire. It was us making choices. And a lot of other people making choices. And so we have this evil that happens in the world because people are doing life on their own. Evil's an easy thing to explain. The hard thing to explain is why there's any good in the world. If you believe in random chance, if you believe in the survival of the fittest, if you believe in the evolutionary process, then shouldn't it be dog-eat-dog? Shouldn't it be, uh, you know, whoever wins and that, the rest of it, that's just tough luck? Shouldn't this be, if, if I'm powerful enough, I should, I, can, I should do it? The only reason there's good in the world is because God is good and he's put a sense in us that we should do good. It's, this is a, an evident, goodness is an evidence of God. And so now, understand this. God, because God is always good, we can know some things about prayer because God is always good. He doesn't have changing moods and changing thoughts and good days and bad days. You know, I always, I always taught my kids, that, hey, you got to be smart enough to know when to ask me for something and smart enough when not to. You know what I mean? I, I had to learn that with my dad. I had to, there were times when I would come in, I was going to ask him, so I'd just look at him, I'd go, no, I'm not asking right now. This is not a good time to ask. Why? Because we're human. And we're flawed, and we don't, have, we don't have the fullness of the Spirit in us all the time. But God is pure. We can go to him anytime. He's always good. He's always good. So, here's, what we can, here's some things that we can know. Number one, because God is always good, we can know this. God's plans for my life will always be good. Do you understand that? God's plans for your life will always be good. God's plan for our life will always be good because God is always good. God is always good. Uh, again, one of the big questions people ask is, is there anything that God can't do? And I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things God can't do. That's not a tough question. He can't deny himself. He can't be evil. God is good by nature. He cannot do evil. He cannot do God. God will not violate his character. He will not violate. He will not be random. He will not hold grudges. He offers forgiveness to those who will receive it. He offers a reconnection with him for those who will open their heart to him. God will always be good. And so because God is good, God's plans for our lives will always be good. We've got to think back to this free will thing. We're in this battle with our free will that gets in the way of God's will in our life sometimes. But hear this. God has never made anything without a purpose. Everything has a purpose and has a plan. God could have created you without a plan, but he gave, he, he, he gave a plan for your life. In the Psalms, it tells us that he has written down every day of our life what it should be. There's a plan. Why? Because he loves you. He created you to love you. And he is good. And he put a lot of thought into creating us and to making us. And you say, well, 
How do, how do I, you know, in this fallen world, how do I know God's plan? God's plan for your life, these plans are revealed to us as we go through life, and they're revealed to us. God's plan is revealed as it is realized through prayer. As we read God's Word and study God's Word, open our heart to God's Word, open our heart to the Spirit of God, seek Him for His will, ask Him what to do, ask Him where we should go, seek out His purpose, He reveals Himself to us. He gives us revelation. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about uh, Joshua's big mistake? One big mistake Joshua made is he made this, this deal with the Gibeonites thinking they were from a long way off. And God said, you failed to inquire of me. Whenever we begin to think we're smart enough to figure it out, without God's help, we're in trouble. God knows the beginning from the end. Why wouldn't I seek him? Why wouldn't I seek his leading? Why wouldn't I seek his direction in my life? The more you pray the more you're going to understand God's plan for your life because you were formed by God. This is what we want for our, for our lives. This is what we want for our children's lives. We want them to discover God's plan for their life. What does God want for them? How does God want them to, to, to walk through life? Now listen again to what, the, what David says in the Bible. Oh, how abundant is your goodness which is stored up for those who fear you. Is that good news? And worked for those who take refuge in you. If I come to him and I seek him, his goodness is going to be there. This is going to happen in the sight of the children of mankind. The world's going to see it. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men and you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. What this means and what this tells us and what is consistently throughout the Word is that there's been intentional thought in advance of our lives as to what He was going to do inside of our lives. Now, He knew the evil that was going to come. He knows the pain that's going to come but he also knows what he's going to do in us if we continue to surrender to him in this fallen world. So this is is about God. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We've got to learn to ask. We've got to learn to ask with the right motive. We've got to learn to pray. And it is prayer that reveals God's purpose and plan for our lives. Get this. You know this. We live in a broken planet. Does anybody not notice that? Everything on this planet is broken. Nothing's perfect. Nothing works perfectly. Your body is broken. Has anybody noticed that? We work hard to try to keep it in shape, and it, and, and it just takes about five minutes to lose it all. Your body's broken. It doesn't always work the right way. Our mind is broken. It doesn't always think the right way frustration, anger, things don't go our way. And all of a sudden our mind begins to think ways it shouldn't think. Lust comes in and attacks us. We begin to think ways we shouldn't think. You know, people do things to us. We feel like revenge and we begin to think the way we shouldn't think. Why? Because we're broken. We're broken. Doesn't always think right. 
The weather is broken. A week ago Sunday, it was definitely broken. The economy's broken. Relationships are broken. Everything on this planet is broken. It's a mistake. Moms and dads in here, listen. To look at your children and think, oh, they're perfect little angels. Now, you may love them with all of your heart. God may give you a love for your children, your grandchildren with a white-hot intensity, but they are broken little beings that need the help of God. And if you don't understand that and help them come into that presence of God and discover God and know him and love him outside of the law of your power to rule them. I'm telling you, when they're little, we have the power to say, no, you won't do that. But we also have the power to teach why they shouldn't do that. And that's where a lot of parents make and grandparents make a mistake is we enforce the rule without teaching the principle. We need to teach the principle. Because they're broken little beings. But God says, even in the middle of all of this brokenness, I have a good plan for your life. This is the hope. So a husband walks out on the, on the wife and, his, and, and her children, and their children. She's got to be able to look at him and say, listen, this is broken. This isn't the way it should be. But God still has a great plan for your life. God will still keep you. This isn't... This isn't a good thing, but God's still going to keep you. In the middle of all the stuff that we go through, we have to understand, God still has a great plan for my life. God's still in the middle, middle of it. And the more that we pray, the better you're going to know that purpose, and the better you know your purpose, the more God can use you in everything in your life, even in the stuff that people plan against you. Even when you're hurt by this world, when you understand the goodness of God, you can say, okay, God, I'm living in this broken world. I'm living in a flawed world. Show me how to live for you in the middle of it. What's happened is bad. What happened isn't good. Help me to live for you in the middle of it. Now, the second pillar of God's goodness. God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. Gives me what I need. Now, that's good news. Now, this, this next line, I want you to look at it as they put it up on the screen. Uh, I, I, gave them, I gave them the wrong, I, I didn't notice this till it was too late. Uh, it says, never approach God on the basis of what you need. That, that's wrong. Never approach God on the basis of what you deserve. So you can change that. Don't come to God and say, God, I deserve this. We approach God on the basis of his grace. Of his grace. You know, if, if we got what we deserved, it, it'd be bad. Psalm 103 says this, verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. How, that should make all of us want to jump up and say, praise God. Do you understand? You said that you got all this stuff in your back. God's not thinking about paying you back for that. He doesn't repay us for the things that we've done. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. God always gives me what I need, not what I deserve. If you and I got what we deserved, we probably wouldn't even be here tonight. 
would be under the wrath of God someplace. God forgives you not because you're good. God forgives you because he's good. People say, ah, I'm going to clean this up, then I'm going to come to God. No, no, there's always got to be something to clean up. I've been saved a long time. There's still a lot of things God's cleaning up. That he's good. It's not based on our goodness. You say, well, if I'm just so good in this area, then God will forgive me. (laughs) Won't happen. Doesn't matter. God forgives you not because of your goodness. God forgives you because he is a good God. You say, oh, God, I I deserve this because I've been a Sunday school teacher for 10 years. No, no, if you got what you deserve, friends, being a Sunday school teacher for 10 or 20 years doesn't clean it up. I've been nice to my neighbor. Well, if, if, if you were nice to all your neighbors for 50 years, it doesn't clean up our iniquities. We don't come before God based on what we deserve. We come humbly before God based on his goodness. God, I know you're a good God, and I would really like, this to ha- I'd really like for this to take place. I'd really like for you to do this in my life. I want to open my heart. I know you're a good God. And the enemy's saying, you don't deserve that. And you're going, I sure don't. I sure don't deserve that. Or the enemy may try to flip you the other way and say, tell God how much you deserve it. You go, no, 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 I'm not going to fall for that trick. I'm not going to start telling God what I deserve because if I start doing that, I'm in big trouble. Are you with me? We, uh, you're coming before a good God. So when you go down to pray, you're going to this all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God who's holy and kind who is perfect in every way, who's filled with goodness, and you're coming down and you're saying to him, my kid is on drugs. I've talked to him. My kid is far from you. My my workplace, I have friends who are far from you. My dad is far from you. God, I know you're a good God. I know you love my dad. I know you love my son. I'm standing before you against the powers and principalities of the devil for you to reveal yourself to him. Because you've told me I can. And the enemy said, hey, he's not going to do anything. He's all powerful. He can't do anything. He's all powerful. He's all powerful. Trust God. Trust God. Psalm 27 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. (laughs) Think about that. You know, some of you have had a a mom or dad forsake you. Some Some of us can't imagine a mom or dad forsaking us. But God says, even if that unimaginable thing happens, even if it's happened to you, he takes you in. See, this is, this is one of the places. Church, can I just t- take you t- t- for a moment? This is one of the places where the church should offer healing to the world. When people walk in our doors whose moms or dads have failed them, they should find moms and dads who won't fail them. When, when people walk in this door who've had a spouse fail them. They should walk in here and find a loving family that'll never fail them. 
Now, you can't do that if all you do is walk in on Sunday morning. We can't be that. If all we do is come on Sunday Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and we depart, we've got to build relationships. That's why we have small groups, and that's why we encourage you to get in them. You say, well, I I, I think I tell them You know, I don't really need small groups. Say, well, you may not, but the people there may need you. They, They may need you. They need your maturity. They need your health. They need your life to be in there and to to care for other people. And some people may be sitting back saying, I am so hurt. I don't trust anybody. I don't want to get in another group where where, where I've got to learn to trust people. Listen, you need to get over the wounds of your life, and God wants to put you in a family where people will stand with you the rest of your life. To me, it's, it's one of the most disheartening things in faith is when people who should stand with us don't. When they don't, they get mad about something or upset about something, and they don't. Now, because God is always good and God is gracious, when we pray, we can always be bold and always confident. Why? Based on who we are? No, based on who he is. Based on the fact that he's good. That, that, that's how we get this. We, we know that God is good because everything he does is, and the world is good. All right, now here's number three. We, God is always good. Here's number three. And because he's always good, he does not say yes to every request. There's nothing in the Bible that says everything you ask for you're going to get. No matter how self-centered it is or off-base it is, whatever it is, God does not say yes to every prayer request that I make. When I pray, I come boldly, I come in faith, I come seeking. How does Jesus teach us to pray? Seeking his will on earth as it is in heaven, asking for his will on earth as it is in heaven, submitting what I am praying for to his will. God, this is what I would like. This is what I want. Would you give me your will in the middle of this? Because he knows more than I do. I always remember that when I'm praying for, when I'm praying for a beautiful day, God, tomorrow's my day off. It's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. I'd like to have a beautiful day tomorrow so I can go for a bike ride. There may be some farmer out there praying, God, I've got this, these plants on the ground. They're, they're, they need rain, God. They need rain now. While you're praying for the Cardinals, somebody else is praying for the Cubs. Do you understand? you understand that? Somebody else is praying for something different. One person is praying, God, let that girl marry me. And there's a guy across the aisle praying, God, let that girl marry me. And God in heaven is going, I'm not going to give her to either one of you. you got somebody better than both of you for. Talked about this last week. No loving parent would ever give a child everything they asked for. That would ruin the kid, wouldn't it? You're not a vending machine. God is not a genie. He's not your magic wand. He's not your vending machine. A vending machine will give you stuff that's not good for you. God will never give you something that's not good for you. And this is part of our faith and our trust and prayer. God, this is what we... Listen, I, 
I know there's, there's probably no purer prayer I can pray than this prayer. God, let my lost friends, let the lost people in this community come to know you. And we see an answer to that every time somebody who's lost comes to Christ. And we know it's a right prayer because what? God wants every person to be saved. That's, I'm, I'm right down the middle of God's will when I pray. God, let them be saved. You've got a loved one or a friend who's lost. God, I want them to be saved. I pray you just move in their life and reveal yourself to them. And Father, let all the words, Father, bear fruit inside of them that we've shared and that others have shared. That is a prayer right down the middle of, of the will of God. But you're praying for a new God. I've got this job opportunity. It really looks good. I want that job. God, the pay looks good. Give me that job. And God's going, that job's no good for you. That job's going to mess you over. It's going to be bad for you. So I'm saying no. And we have to be able to go, God, this job, boy, the money looks good. I could be excited about doing it. But God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. I'd like it. This is one of the great things about being a Christian and about being a person of prayer. When you're praying for something that you think is God's will and God says no, you can rest assured that God's plan for you is better and you can rest in him. And when you pray for something that you know is in God's will and it's not happening yet, you haven't seen it yet, it may be five years of prayer, 10 years of prayer, 15 years of prayer, but God's good. He's going to answer your prayer. Now, I've had people tell me, my mom prayed for me for 15 years before I got saved. People tell me, I've got people prayed for me for 25 years before I got saved. People prayed for me for 30 years before I got saved. Well, then let's get the clock ticking, folks. Let's, get it, let's start praying for them. Let's not give up. Let's understand that God's good. Let's, not, let's, not let, let's come down here Monday night and put their name in the cross and say, God, from now on, I'm standing on you. I'm praying for them. I'm believing for you. I know how hard-hearted they are right now. I know how hard-headed they are right now. I know how mean-spirited they are right now. But God, you are good. Move in their life. I will not give up on them. I will not let their mean words uh, push me away from them. I will not let however bad they act push me away from them. I'm going to keep asking you to move in their life. I'm going to stand before you on their behalf. I've got to understand that even when I don't see it right now, that I know this is God's will. God, you didn't put this little baby in my life for me to watch them grow up and go to hell. You put them in my life because I would pray for them until the gates of hell are broken in their life. Do you have faith that God is good? That God is good? I think, well, what about all the stuff that I think is good for me? But he says no. Remember last week we talked about how God answers every single prayer, not always the way you want it, but he always answers. Kind of joked around with it last week, you know, four ways of prayer. No, yes, no, wait, and you got to be kidding me. Some of our prayers fit into that fourth category. You got to be kidding me. That's so far out of my scriptural will. 
when the request is not right, God says no. Can I tell you, we should be grateful for that. We should be grateful. God, oh, that's what you want. Well, I, I know it's not going to work out, but here you go. I know this is going to cause you a lot of hell on earth, but there you go, go ahead and have it. I don't want you to cry. I don't want you to feel bad. So we'll just live in the moment. God's not living in the moment. God sees all. And so he says no. And we should say thank you for saying no. I'm grateful. I'll tell you what. I can, I can take you back and tell you about some things I've prayed for. And now I look and I go, God, thank you for saying no. Anybody else ever have that experience? Thank you, God, for not letting that happen in my life. God has said no to a lot of your prayer requests, just like parents say no to their kids for hundreds of reasons. And, and understand this. God doesn't owe you an explanation every time he says no when you ask for something. God doesn't owe us anything we owe him our trust. We owe him our trust. So even, even when you're praying, God, I want you to heal my mom, or I want you to heal my dad, I want you to heal my wife, I want you to, I want you to heal God, and, and, and for whatever reason, that only eternity will tell, God says no, he heals them by taking them home. Remember, when you look at life through the lens of the Scripture, is death a loss or a victory? It's a victory. Now, you may feel the I feel the loss when loved ones die. They don't. They've got the victory. They're in a far, they're, they're in heaven going, let's just go ahead and call them home, Lord. Just go ahead. Go ahead right now. There's so much pain down there. Just bring them all here right now. And the trumpet's going to sound someday, and that's going to happen. Luke 11, Jesus talking. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more does God know? The point God is saying here is that God's never going to give you anything that will be hurtful or bad for you. You may force your way into it. He's not going to give it to you. But he says, if you're an imperfect parent, know how to give good gifts to your kids, and you, you do know how to do that, certainly God who is perfect and always a good heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to you, but he'll never give you anything that is not good for you in the in that moment. Sometimes we ask for things we don't really know what we're asking for. So, with all that in mind, let's be honest. It's easy to trust God's goodness when things are going good, isn't it? Everything's good in my life. God is good. You know, uh, all the things are rolling right in place. And all of it's right. The test 
is can you say that when everything's bad in your life? When you don't feel like it's what you want. When things aren't working out. When you're not seeing the changes. When you're not getting the answer. When it seems dark in the moment. When you feel alone or afraid. And you feel like you're just pounding your prayer uh, against a brick wall. When things are not going good in your life. Can you still say, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I trust you. That's the ultimate test of your faith. And from time to time in your life, you're going to face that test of faith. Do you trust your feelings? Do you trust your circumstances in the moment? See, it's easy to feel good when God, when God is, when, th- when things are good. Am I going to trust him and know that God is good even when I don't see it right now? The test of your faith It's not how high you jump and praise and how loud you sing a song when things are going good in your life. The test of faith is how straight you walk, how faithful you live when things aren't going so good. That's the test of our faith. I mean, think about Joseph in prison for about 13 years. That's a test of faith. When I think about some of the uh, men and women of God of old and what they went through, I'm like, man, I got it, I got it pretty easy. Not everything that happens in this world is good. Not everything that happens in this world is God's will. This is one of the mistakes that people make in their judgment of God is they think everything's been in his will and God uh, did it. And so they're mad at God over it. Listen, we live in an evil world. Evil things happen. This is not heaven. This isn't heaven. Not everything that happens on this earth is in the center of God's will. It's God's will that all men be saved. Are all men saved? There are a lot of things that God doesn't want to have happen, but he's given mankind free choice. It's this great gift that's become a curse to our world because we, we needed the power of his presence living in us to be able to exercise that free will in a healthy way. That's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be in his presence, walk in his presence, and because we're in his presence and because we, we've by faith put our faith in him and put our faith in his son, we will be right. Right now we're not. So... He's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to obey him. He's not going to force the people who harm you to love him or obey him. He's going to give you the strength. He's going to build a shield around your heart to protect you. So what does that tell me about prayer? It tells me that I want to move into the middle of his will and pray for his will because he encamps around us. He puts his guard up around us. He begins to move in our life. He begins to move in our hearts that even when bad things happen, that his presence is there. God moves in his wisdom and will when we use our free choice to invite him into our life and to direct us. Listen, you think about a husband, a young man, a young woman, they come down this altar, uh, to this altar, and they promise each other 
to love each other and to care for each other the rest of their lives. That promise is as good as their free will is in exercising it. If they come to this point, listen, God's good. I came down there. I made a promise to God. I know he has great things for us, and we're in a tough time right now, but I'm going nowhere. I'm doing nothing but being faithful. And that promise is good. If we come, come through life and things aren't going good and it's tough and we don't like the way it's going and we think, I deserve to be happy. I'm going to chase after my happiness. And that promise isn't worth much. But God's promise that he will redeem your marriage and move in your marriage is always true. This is why we pray for the lost. The enemy blinds their eyes so that they can't see the light of the gospel. But we pray that God will open their eyes and reveal the gospel. Isaiah 55. Listen, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as, heaven is, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I would really challenge you this week to meditate on that verse a while, to think about what that means. Again, God doesn't think to figure things out. He knows the beginning of the end. You're praying at one level. We're praying at one level. But God says, I'm thinking about your life at another level. Because I want what's good for your life even more than you do. And I know what's good for your life even more than you do. Will you trust me? And the call is for us to trust him. So the key to prayer is to trust in God's goodness and to seek God's will. Now, I put a couple of things on here. We, we talked last week briefly about how a prayer list uh, helps you uh, sus- build sustained prayer. And so just look real quickly on it. There's some things here. This is not an all-inclusive list. By any, but here's just kind of a starter kit for you if you want to build a prayer list. You want to pray for yourself? And here's some things you want to pray for yourself. You want to pray for your family, especially your children and grandchildren? Here's some things to pray for. They'll be hungry for God. That God's will will for their lives will be revealed to them. That they'll be delivered from the temptations of the enemy. We want to pray for our church, that souls will be saved, that we'll have unity of faith, that people will use their gifts, that people will find a place to serve. And as we've talked about this last few weeks, that people who are tithing will be blessed and people who aren't will put their faith in God and trust him. We're going to pray for our world, for government leaders, and we're going to pray for peace, and we're going to pray for repentance of sin. And if our government leaders have ever needed prayer in my lifetime, it's right now. They're all a mess. Bunch of babies. Now, if you've got the, 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 the prayer notebook, 40 Days of Prayer Guide, here's the answers to all of those that are in there. And for those of you who don't know it, it just kind of gives you a piece of it. This is a small piece of it. And scriptures you can look up. And I would tell you, go through that, look it up. Now, it says 10 pathways. There's there's only five on there. We're going to do the next five. We'll give you the next five next week. But here's a real simple pattern of prayer as you walk through this. You can walk through these passages 
and understand it. It's taking the Lord's Prayer and giving us a pattern for prayer. And so I would encourage you to take your prayer time. This will help you develop your prayer time. And as you pray for some of these things, you will find yourself being caught away by the Spirit of God in your prayer. The richest, most powerful times in prayer in my life is when I get right almost unexpectedly sometimes in the middle of God's will in the prayer time and all of a sudden I feel myself being carried by his spirit in the prayer and I'm praying things I hadn't thought of I'm praying with authority I hadn't sensed I'm praying with the spirit moving on me and leading me I'm praying and I feel myself being carried away by the spirit sometimes into a language that I don't know that God knows and it's this powerful wonderful experience that when you're done you know it was powerful and effective you know you move you move the chains on this one it's life's going to be better you've made a difference with this one you may not see it instantly but you know it there's been many times in my prayer times that God said that's it it's done you don't have to pray about that anymore the things I prayed for me nope that's been answered and I may not see the answer in that moment but I've walked out with this assurance that the victory's been won have you ever had that experience you ever had that experience where you're carried away by the spirit boy I tell you what when you leave that prayer time your feet are about you know a foot off the ground you are floating when you've been in the presence of God like that and it builds your faith and it strengthens you. And for me, I walk out of my basement feeling the presence of God. And the enemy meets me at the top of the steps and tries to steal it from me. And I rebuke him because God's promises are true. You want to be powerful in life? You want to make a difference in your kid's life, in your grandkid's life, in your friend's life, in your loved one's life? You want to make a difference in our country? You want to make a difference in our world? We need to be people of prayer. That's why the Bible tells us to pray for leaders. Think about this. Do you think our government would be in as big a mess as it's in if every Christian in America was really sincerely, daily praying that God would move in their lives? I know a lot of Christians want to send letters or, you know, want to chat it up on Facebook. No, God never said any of those things are going to make any difference. It's going to make a difference. Got to pray. God move in our country. Never pray that God will give us the leaders we deserve. I, I think we have that right now. Let's pray that God will give us leaders with grace. Amen? Amen. Let's come down around the altar for a moment. We're going to go home. Aren't you, isn't this encouraging that God is good? Isn't it encouraging that he says he's going to answer our prayers? He knows everything and we can trust him. We can, we can take the weight of worry off of our shoulder. He tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough worries of its own. Just, you know, seek me. Seek my righteousness today. Seek that today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Just be in the middle of God's will. and say, well, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? You know, uh, frankly, we'll, 
we go through, you know, in the course of the churches, there's times when the finances are really good. There's times when they're really tight. And the enemy will come, well, what are you going to do? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to keep doing what God tells us to do. And I'm going to trust God to move on your heart to do what you're supposed to do. Amen? I can't, I can't change that. I can't, I can't go to somebody who should be giving that isn't and go, all right, cough it up. That's not the way it works, is it? I can tell you, you ought to cough it up. And that God will bless you if you do. And this is part of God's plan for you to store up treasures in heaven. But you've got to let that get in your heart. I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is, this is a group that comes on Wednesday night. So I know everybody in here has this down, right? Amen. Father, you know the needs of every person in this room. I just want to invite you right now. Just, just, if you have a real need in your life, just lift your hands to the Lord and tell him what it is right now. Just tell him. What, where do you need a miracle right now? Where do you need one at right now? Father, we know you're good. You're a good God. We think we know what the right thing is. We know you know what the right thing is. Father, we, we think we have answers. We know you have answers. And so we come before you. And we say, do your will in our life. Do your will. Father, we have loved ones that are lost. Do your will in their life, we pray. We, we, we know what that one is because you've told us. Father, the ones where you haven't told us, we seek you. We ask for your will to be done. Father, encourage us in the days ahead to come to prayer with a sense of hope, with a sense of this is one of the, this is the main thing I can do to change my world. And Father, let your spirit carry us away and let us be touched by you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, look around. If there's somebody you don't know, meet them, say hi to them, introduce yourself to them. Don't be bashful here today. <laughs>